Hey, this is Dave Chris. I'm the pastor of We're One based out of Gateway Assembly, and this is our podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. We pray that this equips you and encourages you in your faith to see Jesus more clearly in your life. Let's hit it. It's going to be good. Part two, we're going to get into a relationships. It was going to be good. And uh, so as you can see, she's like bu- bu- bumping over here. And uh, this I told them to use the slimming angle when they like shoot the camera. Yeah, there it is. There's the slimming angle right that. there. Uh, but yeah, this baby's coming. So over the weekend, we went to Grand Rapids. We call it like a baby moon, knowing that um, when this baby two comes, our life is about to like get flipped again figure out the, the rhythm again, and so, and we knew we wouldn't get to go on like a typical vacation like we, we, we would and all that stuff, so we just went away for a couple nights, enjoyed our time together. It felt like we were dating again, almost, you know, like we, uh, we got this nice Airbnb. We ate Chick-fil-A a lot. We were getting our bellies ready for one night, and uh, it was like a Chick-fil-A stretch, just getting ready to fit for yep, one it's night. It's all right here. Yep. Never left. Lots of chicken nuggets right there, and uh, and then we went to like a lot of coffee shops, and we just sat. It felt like old school, just sitting there. We'd play like board games at the coffee shop. Like I remember when, uh, way back in the day, I took you to school back at MSU, and uh, and we went to Chili Billy's or something like that. And we just sat and played Bananagrams the whole time. And he made up all sorts of words and passed them off because he'd look them up on his phone and be like, "It's Polish." I'm like, "We are playing in English." That doesn't. I was count. using like every language you could. Uh, I won though. That's all. So that matters. I think I won, but he but, says he won. Okay. Yeah, our, we were at this one coffee shop though, and uh, I overheard these girls kind of in the corner. All these college girls came in, and we gave them our spot because we had a bigger table. We went to a smaller spot and gave it to them, and they were just like going on about like. Ah, like I just hated, I hated 2020 and like the worst year and all this stuff. And then this one girl pipes up and she goes, I loved 2020. And they're all like, ooh, gross. Why do you love 2020? She's like, well, I got a boyfriend in 2020. <laughs> right away, they all look at her just like, y'all broke up. You're not even together anymore. And she just stopped. She goes, yeah, you're right. Full circle. 2020 wasn't that great. <laughs> like we were laughing though when we heard this because this is real. We find... There's something about you feel like when you have someone, it, you just feel like it fixes and changes everything. I don't know why we think that way, but we just do. We'll define uh, events, songs, even now, I guess, 2020, years by if you had somebody. So 2020 was the year I got a boyfriend is what they were talking about. So in the midst of them having a boyfriend, it was a great year. The moment she realized she didn't have this boyfriend anymore, 2020 wasn't really that great for her anymore. There's something in us that sort of just needs to have somebody. So if we do, it's good. If we don't, it's just bad, which if you're tuning in for the first time in this series, you should go watch The Key to Contentment. Pause right now and and watch that, and then we'll come to this moment right now. I think, though, we even did the same thing. Like, there was times where it's like, oh, I have someone I feel good, and if I didn't, I, I don't feel as good. I think for sure, I know you did this with me. In the beginning, like the early phase of, of our ministry, I mean, not our ministry, our, our, what do we call it? Our relationship. It is sort of a ministry. It sort of was. So in the beginning of our relationship, though, she was like, she was pretty into me, guys. Like, I, no, that's, let's be honest. This is church. his own horn. This is church. You were pretty I remember in, things differently. You were pretty into me. And in the early phase, in the early phase of our relationship, you were kind of like I that. I think you were pretty into me, because if I remember right, you were the one who came up and invited me to church, right? A.K.A. I was so into Jesus 
<laughs> Jesus said that I have come to seek and save the lost. I've not come for the healthy, but for the sick. This girl was sick and in need of Jesus, somebody, so. <laughs> Don't encourage that. Don't encourage that. You kind of were in the early phase, though, a little bit. Which early phase are we talking about? There was a there couple. There was quite a few. There was a couple. So we kind of had, like, phase one, I guess you'd call it. We were, I was 16 and he was 19. Yep, yep. that's some good summer games outfits there. Didn't dress like a thug on the norm, but that day I did. Um, but I think that was 2007 we met. And yeah, something like that. It was kind of like the awkward love tension, like we're, we kind of like each other, but we're not going to say it, but mostly friends um, yeah. in that, that phase of us. So. Yeah, I had no idea that that girl I met when she was 16, I was 19. Um, I had no idea I was going to marry that girl, honestly. And I think people hear like, our story or any story, and you immediately want to make it a Disney story, and you want to make it some rom-com that some huge production company is going to put out to hook your heart and make you want somebody. It wasn't like that. It was just literally, I, I invited her to church. I wanted her to know Jesus. From there, we like, there was like maybe some attraction, but it wasn't like love at first sight and all these things. It like, it was like, there was something developing, but I honestly had no idea that this girl that 16-year-old girl, what, you were 23 when we got married, I was 26, so seven years later, like, almost to the date that it was in August when at the Blueberry Festival I invited her to church, almost seven years to the date um, we had get, gotten married. I had no idea. So let me just, guys, let me speak to you for a second. Let me help you out, my brothers. Let me give you a little secret that you need to know. You don't know whether she's sitting next to you, around you, in the room, she could be online, she might come in a couple years, but you don't know if you're gonna marry them or not. So here's the problem. You should treat them nice because you don't know if it might be your future wife. I see too many guys, you treating girls like crap, like that might not be your wife one day. And the issue with this is, you're treating them like crap, and then finally you wake up, and one day you go, dang, she kinda looks good now. Whoa. <laughs> What was I, what, what did I miss? What was I thinking? It's called you matured. It's called God opened your eyes. It's called like you hit puberty. It's called finally your eyes opened and you saw she could actually be a good option. So all the time that you wasted treating her like crap, you could have been developing your character, shown her good character, but now you actually have to go back and you have to completely retell the story of your character so she'll be into you because you worked so hard for her not to be into you that you could have just been a man of God the whole time, set yourself up for success, right? And I think, uh, I would even say this, like, this is not just so you can get a girl. This is, if you're a man of God, you should be opening doors for the girls in this ministry because there are sisters. It's not so you can like show off like, look how great of a man I am. It's like you should be doing some of the things that I'm talking about, not so you can just show off or so you can get a girl. You should be doing them, Marky Bark, just simply because you're a man of God, you're a brother in Christ, and you want to treat a sister in the Lord good. But Amen. the issue is we think like if I open a door for a girl, that means like I'm going to open a door so I can like show off to her. We should just be doing that, guys, in the first place. Right. Wow. You should. That's good. It is. But. It's super good. On the flip side, ladies, if you want the boys to treat you nice and kind and open the door and do these types of things, you got to give them a break because 
he has this fear that if he holds the door open for you, you're going to go home, write your vows, and plan your wedding on Pinterest, and he can't just be nice to you. It's too true. So if you want him to exemplify good, godly character, let him do that without the pressure of your mind proposal the next day. That's true. That was kind of phase one for us. Yeah, that was phase one. So we had phase one. Then we had phase two, which was, I was 19, and you were 22. Mm -hmm. And yeah. Yeah, so this is the phase that you all call we're talking. That's that's that phase. You have a boyfriend? Uh, I don't really know. We're talking, I think. Could I? I might. this was kind of this was this was us in that phase. That's long hair, Dave. Um, he was a knockout. Uh, we were in this phase where we were talking to each other. We were on the phone. We were texting, right? And can I just clarify this so we're all on the same page? If you are texting, you are dating. If you are talking, you are dating. I just want to make that abundantly clear what it is because we learned the hard way. Uh, <laughs> we did exactly what you do. And we were, we're just talking right now. What the heck does that even mean? We're just talking. Like you talk to a thousand people a day. Are you dating everybody you talk to? What does that even mean, right? So we're just talking. And this is kind of what we were doing. Um, We were texting so much that in her mind, we were dating. In my mind, we absolutely weren't, right? It was just kind of like we had like a little thing. We're kind of into each other a little bit, but we were just talking. But in her mind, she had built it up to enough degree at that point that you're dating. So I'll never forget. I'm, I got to keep the story short because it could be a long one. Front row at our old facility, front row of the church. We're sitting down, and she wanted to DTR. Do y'all know what DTR means? It's the latest. It's the latest thing in Gen Z. I can't believe you don't know. It's actually from my generation. DTR means define the relationship. Is what it means. Okay. So okay. But... So you wanted to DTR, and I was like, girl. I wish, I honestly wish all that that just came out right there. I wish he could go back and tell 19-year-old or 22-year-old himself all of this. Because if texting was dating, that would have solved all my problems. true. But I had to to have some definition there because I never really had a boyfriend before him. So when he's texting me, like, all the time, I just assumed... And I wasn't allowed to keep like opening up my heart to him if he just saw it as friends. So I, I went needed from Nextel some to iPhone. I was here. very excited to use it. You guys even know what Nextel is? That's that's old school. I had man. Virgin Mobile. I Virgin don't think Mobile. that's even a thing. <laughs> <laughs> and you had to pay as you go. So my dad like called and I was like, Dad, you're using all my minutes. Thanks. It's my new number. Bye. <laughs> no, it's true though. Like we we're figuring out. Like I, at the time, we didn't recognize texting, talking is dating. We like we didn't realize that. We're gonna get into like a lot of scriptural things in a little bit, but we just want to stay practical for a little bit longer because I feel like there's not enough time where you can like honestly hear these things where you can be like, oh, okay. Like, and some of you can walk away and you're gonna be like, oh, I don't care. I'm still just gonna call it talking. You don't realize how muddy you make things when you just don't bring clarity to it. The first thing I would just teach you tonight is that dating must have definition. If you're gonna call it, if you're not gonna call it something, you're already doing it wrong. So either say, truly, we're just friends and keep it like that and keep it chill, okay? Or if you're gonna go forward with somebody, it's okay, just have definition to it, have clarity to it. You know, what does that mean? It means you both are on the same page, 
you understand each other's intentions, you, intentions, you understand where you're headed. Yeah, and to be honest, I think the guy should be the one to define that yeah. in the relationship because the word talks about him being the head of the home. So if he's going to be the head of the home, he should be the one that's leading the relationship. Obviously, head of the home is talking about marriage, but we can use that as an example. So girls, I would just tell you to be patient and let the guys define that. But guys, if you're going to start pursuing and talking to a girl, you have to be willing to step up and own that call and lead the relationship too. Yeah, and dating definition, okay, when we're talking about like, what does this mean? You have to understand there's a difference between a date and dating. Do you understand there's a difference? I know most of you don't, so I'm going to take time to describe it. Because in your mind, it just has the word date in it, so it means all the same thing. No, it doesn't mean the same thing. You can go on a date and still not be dating. You understand? You follow me here? Meaning you could have, ladies, some nice lad take you out for a nice seafood dinner, and, well, if he takes you out for seafood, you better just marry him right there, okay? Like, it's basically... So he Unless takes you, you out. don't like seafood, then it's kind of well, like a everyone bummer. likes seafood here. Okay, so I feel like that's like I feel like a Jedi mind trick. Everyone likes seafood. Okay, okay. So he takes you out for McDonald's. Okay, more realistic. Okay, <laughs> right. He takes you on one date. I just want to make sure you understand this. You can, after that date, very kindly say, "Thank you so much for taking me out. I really appreciate this night." You don't have to say I'm dating Jesus. You don't have to say, you don't have to say, um, it was really nice, but I just want to be friends, okay? You can if that's truly what you mean, but you literally could just say, thank you so much for this date. I'm not interested in another one. And I know it's like, ooh, got to break a guy's heart. Listen, I would rather you break his heart now than marry him and break your marriage later, okay? So it'd be better that you just, after that, say, hey, it wasn't that great. It's okay. There was no sparks. He was a nice guy. I'm a nice girl, but this just isn't what God wants. You can go on a date, but you don't have to be dating. The issue most of the time is that you've already been texting so much before that date. When you go on the date, the date is useless. Just understand this. There's actually no purpose in going on the date because you're already dating. You understand? If you're texting, you're dating. So the date doesn't mean anything. The best way you could do it is somebody asks you out. You don't exchange numbers and stuff like all that already. You go on one date. You see if it was like good or not. And then you decide where you want to go from there. You got any input on that? Yeah, I think the best thing that you could do is just go on one date. And from there, decide if there should be a second and if there should be a third. And then maybe by the third date, there needs to be some definition coming. You need a DTR because at that point, if you're continuing to go out on fourth, fifth, sixth dates, you're dating at that point. And I'll just clarify this too. You can have somebody take you out on one date, right? And then they can choose to go take out someone else on one date because you're not dating. You're not exclusive. You're not in a relationship. Honestly, there's nothing wrong with that. That's not like sin. There's no one in the Bible that says, he took out a girl for lunch. Well, let's just say, he took out a girl for breakfast. He took a girl out for dinner. He took a girl out for lunch and a girl out for dinner. Listen, if anything, that guy's just crazy because he's about to go broke. That's the only thing wrong with it, honestly. But I would just say, to clarify, if your feelings are all hurt, like someone took me on a date and then they took out someone else out, that just means that you two weren't going to fit. It wasn't going to work or his eyes haven't been open to God's will or whatever it is. But some of y'all like build all this up so quick. Like we're texting. It's like we went on a date. We're dating. No, you went on one date. And let's see. Should we go on two? Okay. Two dates. It's going pretty good. Three dates. After three dates, 
you need to decide, are we going to go steady, exclusive, are we gonna be in a relationship, whatever the phrases that each generation uses, or is it like three dates, you know what, like this, I shouldn't get into dating this person now in a relationship because I actually still wanna date other people. If you have an inclination to still wanna date other people, you shouldn't exclusify yourself to one person. It will not turn out good. Yeah, I think what's confusing about that though is the whole texting is dating thing. Yeah. Because if you're not understanding that texting is dating, then you're doing all this texting for weeks and then the date comes and then there's like this level of protectiveness. So if someone were to take someone else out after they just took you out, it feels like betrayal because you've built up this texting relationship in your mind. And now there's not that freedom to just go out on one date, take someone else on another date, because texting has sort of like bonded that relationship in a sense. So in coming up in trifectas this Sunday and in the coming weeks, we're gonna talk a little bit deeper like about practical things, like what's a good age to date? How do you know if it's worth going on a second date and just practical dating yeah. tips in general. But that was kind of phase two for us was the, talking, texting, dating, not dating phase. And then we had phase three, which was a little bit more serious when we were 21 and 24. Yeah, so this was, uh, you could call it phase three, you could call it like the letters phase is kind of how I'd call it as well. This is the phase where uh, you're kind of done playing games, you want to start getting a little more intentional. We slowed things up, okay? We really slowed things up, and we decided... We weren't, she was away at school, I was here. We weren't gonna be together all the time. We weren't gonna like try to force this, rush this, make this something. We had already tried this. Realize after phase two, when we sat down, quote out of my mouth, I said, not now, not ever will we be. I just wanna make it clear. So she wanted to DTR it. Okay, you wanted to find it? I don't wanna be together. I wasn't ready for that. I thought we were just having a good time, you know? And that's usually how it is. One person's ready to get serious, one person still wants to dink around. That's usually how it works, right? And so finally in this phase, it was like, okay, we tried it other ways. We just gonna like let this become what it's gonna become. We're gonna stop trying to make it something. We're not gonna define it yet. We even said when she was away at school, you can date other people. I can date other people. Let's just see what this becomes. And so we started writing letters. It's the only way we talked. We, we didn't, at the time, Instagram and all that wasn't as big yet. It was kind of on the scenes, but we weren't like DMing each other. We weren't Facebook inboxing each other. We weren't emailing, we weren't texting, we weren't on the phone, we weren't FaceTiming, we weren't doing Skype. Skype was the big thing at the time. We weren't doing any of that. We wrote letters mainly because we felt like we had rushed it, we had forced it, we would pushed it, and we just needed to pull back and kind of figure out how this looked for us now at a much slower pace. Yeah, but I think the difference for me was that there was an active pursuit yes. from him, and there was clear intentions communicated from the beginning. I knew generally where his heart was headed, and before yeah. it was kind of just a guessing game. Like, he's texting me all the time. What does this mean? And he, like, kind of started this season out, like, saying, hey, I have feelings for you. I don't know what that looks like. And so he stepped into things like saying, we like each other, but our hands are open to God. And yeah. I've used this illustration before, but there's a lot of times when things are close to our heart or we um, we start to become protective over something like it could have been this relationship for me because it had seemed like it took so long to get going. But I have the chance, like, 
to keep my hand open to the Lord and say, Lord, you can take this away or you can keep it there, but I'm going to keep my hand open to you. And what we tend to do is we like keep it locked in our hand and we don't let the Lord have a part of it. And that's where things can get messy because we stop hearing his voice and he's not able to lead that relationship anymore. Yeah, I was like, I was so intentional to the point when I'm saying you can date other people. Did I want her to date other people? No. Did I still want to have the ability to date other people? Yes. That is how it works. That is how it works. And so I said, we can date other people. Just to clarify, I didn't date anyone during this season. Did you get, go on a date? By dating other people, I mean you can go on dates. I, w- I made myself go on a couple yes. because, yeah, I was just nervous for, <laughs> I was nervous that he was just going to move on or something. So I was yes. like, okay, Lord, I'm just going to put it to the test then. And if I'm interested in someone and they ask, I'll say yes. And so there's well, a couple. My point with that it is was it, like was one so, date it was so done. intentional. It was hard because I would Facebook stalk her and I would see, I would see her with these other guys who were just some of my friends or some of my new were into her. I'm getting like the lowdown. Uh, Pastor Luke, Pastor Tyler were at the school and I'm kind of like, what's going down with my girl there? You know, like, and it was very difficult season. It was the most difficult season ever to go complete World War II old school, only write letters where you're waiting to hear from that person. And the only way that you can know what's going on in their life from them firsthand is through a letter. It was very intentional. I'd say that is the key. When you're finally gonna go forward in a relationship with somebody, it has to be so intentional, so clear. This is what we are, this is what we aren't. And that's okay to say we aren't exclusive. There's nothing wrong with that. But finally, when you're gonna be committed to somebody, if you're gonna say, this is gonna be my girl, this is gonna be my guy, this is like we're in a relationship. We believe that God might be taking this forward to the next thing. You have to have that clarity. You have to have that intentionality. This is why. Because if you don't have, uh, if you're not intentional, that means you only have the ability to be recreational. And if you, ha- if you make dating recreational, then you'll make the desire physical. What I've found is when you're not intentional and clear about it, and you're like, well, I'm just kind of like, we're just kind of seeing each other, we're just talking, that becomes your hookup. That becomes the one night stand person in the world. That becomes the person like, you just want to get together and just make out with. And that's, that's real. Like, that's just the person you want to get with, lock lips with, have a good time for a little bit, but you don't want to put anything exclusive on it because you want to be able to do that with anybody else you want to do that with. So having that clarity, saying, we're going to be intentional about this. Recreational dating brings a desire of physicality that honestly becomes very hard to control, and you find yourself like a ping pong back and forth, ball bouncing back and forth between people, between emotions, between physical interaction with people. And so in this season, season this is when we became very physical, uh, very, uh, well, eventually physical, uh, very intentional, that's what I mean to say. The physical did come later. That will be in another week, though. You'll have to come back in another week. So phase one, phase two, phase three. Then really is when there came phase four. That's when things really started. Okay, can I just say something crazy? I love crazy. All my life has been a series of doors in my face. And then suddenly I bump into you. I was thinking the same thing. Because, like, I've been searching my whole life to find my own place. And maybe it's the party talking or the chocolate fondue. (laughs) But with you. But with you, I find my place. I see your face. And And it's it's nothing like I've I've ever known before. Love is an open door. 
all we got. That's all we got. I just figured we had the door here. We might as well use it. I mean, this was, though, the phase, though. She was 22. I was 25. Um, this was the phase that love became like this, this open door, it felt like. It felt like God was starting to do something. Um, you know, you were, see, so 22, you're graduating. I remember I came and I visited you um, at your commencement for college. And I was terrified because it's a long story, but we hadn't, after we were writing letters, she came and visited in February. We stopped talking. I, then I had to see her. I'm the youth pastor, and I see her in March at Collision, and she shows up. I'm like, dang it, why did I stop talking to her? She looks so good right now. And then two months later, I decided to show up, unannounced, surprise her, hopefully win her heart back, and there's a lot to the story. But this is when God started just kind of growing in our, in our heart what love would look like. I will tell you this. Until you're married, you really don't know love. Everything up to that is basically just lust. It really is. When you get married, you truly discover what love actually is. I believe God gives you a glimpse of it so that you can marry that person, but you truly don't realize what love actually is until you wake up and they got bad breath and they don't look good and you get in a fight and you gotta still keep going with each other and all that stuff. You start really discovering what love is, but at this point, we begin to kind of define, label our relationship. And I would just even say this. I'm not saying that everyone has to do it this exact way, but I just want to explain to you why we did what we did. We did not tell a lot of people we were dating. There was a select few people, um, pastors, leaders, some of our friends. Outside of that, we didn't like blurt it all over the place. We really kind of kept it to ourselves. We had accountability, but we didn't flaunt it, if I tell you that. I feel like so many relationships they're flaunting it because they don't feel validated in who they are. So once they have some arm candy on them, they want everybody to know about it. They want to be the ones that walk in the room. Oh, do you notice who I'm with right now? You're seeing this right now? You're seeing me? And it's like, you ain't good enough on your own. So like, that's how you think. So what makes you think that you're going to be good enough finally when you got somebody else around your arm? And people start kind of flaunting that they got somebody and all this. And so for us, it was like, we just kind of kept it, not a secret, but we kept it more private. There's a difference. There's a difference. If people found out, we tell them, yeah, we're dating. There was no big deal. But we weren't kissing all over each other in front of people. We didn't, weren't holding hands in front of people all the time and stuff. Like a lot of like the youth at the time, they didn't even know we were dating. They found out like one of them, some of them found out Sid was doing like an event with some of the girls and they found out on accident because Sid had opened up her laptop and they're going to shoot like a music video and there was like our pictures on her desktop. They're like, why is there a picture with you and Pastor Dave? And they, that's how they kind of found out. Um, so I would just think, I, I would say that's just something that We've come to find out um, for us in our journey is that we had to be content and cool with who I am with Jesus, who was she is as Jesus. And then now very much people don't define me separate than her or her separate than me. It's like we are married. We have our son Zeal and he's a part of our family. As you continue, you can grow in sort of that, uh, what's the word, uh, that, that, definition, that uh, personality of what you all are as a, as a thing. But for us, we always clung, clung to Isaiah 22, 22. And that's when you see like ever a picture with us in a door or anything like that. We always clung to that scripture where it says, I will place on his shoulder, meaning Jesus, the shoulders of Jesus, the key to the house of David. What he opens, no one can shut. What he closes, what he shuts, no one can open. And what you have to understand is that God is the one that opens this door for you finally, when it's his will. He opens it. Your only responsibility is to step through it and know that 
what God opened, I have to be obedient, faithful, uh, reject some fear. Some of you are like, you're very scared of what it could look like if you finally gave yourself fully to somebody. Are you gonna get hurt again, whatever it is? You have to be faithful to step through it. And here's the issue I see a lot of times is there's too many people, rather than being patient enough and waiting for God to open the door, you're like this and you're just... And you're trying to bust down something that God never opened for you in the first place. When you open a door that was not made to be open, you will have to break it to get in. It's called B&E, breaking and entering. God never gave you the, the right to step into it. When you step into a place that you're not supposed to be, let's talk about just in the actual physical realm here. It's, uh, it's, called, a, it's called a what? When cops get you and stuff, is a misdemeanor? What, what's the word for that? Whatever. Uh, cop family over there. What is it called? Like, if you get, if you get in trouble with a B&E, what is it? Felony. felony. There it is. Thank you. Melanie, felony. Okay, so you get a felony. Think about it in the same way with God. When you step into a place that he never opened for you and you have to break into it, you are already operating with a record in that relationship. You already got a felony in that relationship. You already got a strike against you. God didn't open that door for you, so don't step into it. He doesn't open for you. Yeah, so we had all of these different phases. The phase that we were kind of friends, but flirting with each other, and then phase two and phase three and phase four when we finally were dating. But I feel like in phase two more so, like 2010 when we were 19 and 22 was probably when I put a little too much stock into the relationship, a little too much stock in you, um, so much so that I wasn't really bringing that relationship to God anymore um, and asking him what he wanted for me. I was just kind of determined to work, and I had this idea of who Dave Christ was in my head, and he could do no wrong, and when, when he finally <laughs> started to like give me attention and look my way, I was almost like starry-eyed, and I just couldn't really evaluate the relationship as I should. Um, I was determined to make it work, and I wasn't thinking about what was best for me or what God thought was best for me in that time. And the problem with that was that when all of that fell through, it was really devastating for me because I had put all of that weight and all of that stock into the relationship um, that when it ended, I kind of had to re-figure out who Sydney was again. Yeah. Yeah. We, we're giving you a little bit of insight into our relationship, but ultimately we want to help you with yours. The one that you're in now or the future one that you're going to step into. And we want to ask this question tonight. This is the question that we have to answer tonight. What is the true purpose of dating? That's really the question we need to answer tonight. And the answer is going to be found in the title of our message tonight. What is the true purpose of dating is what we got to figure out tonight. Here's the, here's the title of our message. Dating is evaluating. You know, many people are like, oh, dating's like the first step to figure out if you should marry them and everything. Like, what are we saying when we say that? We're saying that there needs to be an evaluation process that needs to take place. Dating is evaluating. Yeah, I've noticed on TikTok and different social media platforms and things that this really isn't the case in the dating culture right now of this of dating being an evaluation process because there's all of these TikTok videos or hashtag relationship goals and they're of really silly things. Like the things that you set relationship goals towards are maybe like something like, oh, there's a video of this guy opening a door or 
saying hello and being kind or looking you in the eyes and it's all of a sudden like goals, that's like exactly what I need. But that's like baseline stuff and our goals are really low and really shallow. And the problem is that I think girls especially don't have dating in their minds as this evaluation process to really like take these guys through some evaluation and see if their character will withstand um, through this filter that they've created in order to have a solid relationship. And I think that goals are great and stuff, but we have to go beyond what's baseline. And things like opening the door or looking you in the eyes should be a baseline type of thing. So evaluation is a process, and that's why dating has to be something that is really intentional. Um, it's when you're intentionally getting to know someone and you're truly evaluating whether or not there's someone that you can live the rest of your life with. It's about filtering through all of the hype, all of the, I like him because he's attractive or because he treats me kind or because he has the same interests as me. It's filtering through all that hype and assessing their character. And one way that you can do that is just asking yourself, is this person quality or is this person fantasy? Yeah, I think that's, I think that's real because I think we kind of play up so many things in our mind before we even get there. And I, I think, too, girls, girls, because they're so emotional, they fantasize and they think about things before they get there. And so I think especially young ladies, I just see you low, lower the bar so low, and, and it, it, you don't take quality at all. It's just like it's this, fan, it's this fantasy in your mind, but in, in real life, it's not a person of quality at all. Now, I know you all know this, what I'm about to say. I know that this isn't like, I know this isn't new to you. I know that, uh, I know you maybe understood this, but you're gonna wanna write this down because this is what you have to understand about dating. Dating leads to mating. <laughs> Following me here? So a lot of people are like, oh, it's not that big of a deal. Like, we're just like dating or whatever. No, you don't understand. Dating leads to mating. Like, this person that finally I started dating exclusively, going all in with, falling in love with, she is the only person I ever have and I ever will have sex with. Understand this. You might not think it's that big of a deal, like, oh, it's just like, we're just having fun. No, 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 Dating leads to mating. Understand this. It's real. It's real. Now, I know animals can just hop along and mate with whoever they want. I hate that word because it just makes me think of animals. So when he started saying, I'm like, that can't be a point. And he's like, it's a point. It's a point. It is. It's in my notes. Check yours. No, is, dating is this process. It is this preparation for marriage. But just think in the big picture. If they're not mateable, they're not dateable, okay? If they're not somebody that for the rest of your life, you're gonna exclusively say like, I'm married to this person, I'm with this person, they can think, you should never date them in the first place. Go on one date and be done after that. Or even better, ladies, say no when they ask you. I know they got a lot of courage that built up to ask you, and you would just think you gotta say yes. Some people you should say no to. Just say no, because if they're not mateable, they're not dateable, so don't even go on one because you might find yourself getting in this trap and caught in fantasy over quality. You understand? Don't get caught in the trap. You know, I look at, uh, it's just me and Sid, and, and you said this, uh, I think you said something along this, these lines is that uh, you just got to a point where you started all that and you just wanna make it work. 
It's like, I'm just gonna do everything I can to hang on to this and make it work. And especially, I see with young ladies, like I know obviously we were God's will for each other. It was just wrong timing and all that. But I just see, especially with young ladies, and, and this can go both ways, but I'm just gonna speak to the young ladies for a second. I don't get it, but I could see the most beautiful girl dating just the trashiest guy. And I don't get it. I don't get how some of y'all can date such trash. And I'll say it exactly how I'm thinking it right now. Like, I'm here to just tell you like it is. I don't get it. I really don't get it. You might as well be Chip and Joanna Gaines because you only date fixer-uppers. I don't, I don't get it. I really don't. I, I, I don't get how you could make a person a project. It doesn't make any sense to me. I have seen throughout all my years, 10 years of just me in full-time ministry, my family, you can stack it over 100 years of full-time ministry of stories that I've heard, of people I've watched in the church, of, of, of y'all, okay? Listen, I don't get it. I have seen how girls have so much to offer. They have such a calling on their life. They have such anointing. They could do such great things, and they date trash. That is what it is. It is what it is. And it just doesn't make any sense to me how there are like solid quality guys. They're just ready to go. But some of y'all girls, you don't got, you don't got your husband because your husband's waiting for you and you've been in such a rush, rush that for some reason you want to hang out in a dumpster when you could be at a five-star hotel called your husband. And it don't make no sense to me. It don't make no sense. And what happens is when people aren't taking the time to truly evaluate a person, to truly be intentional about somebody they're interested in, they end up settling for fantasy over quality. And so I wanna give you some scriptures here. We're gonna give you a bunch of them. There could be a ton we could give you, but I'm just gonna give you a couple scriptures. How do you begin the evaluation process? Let's just start right here. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Now this is a scripture we use a lot of times when we talk about Choose your friends wisely and all these different things, and that's true. But I would say, above all, this scripture probably is most applicable to who you will get in a dating relationship with. This scripture is probably most important because do you realize how many young men, how many young women that we have watched, they were sold out for God, they were at the altar, they were lifting their hands in worship, they were serving, they were committed, and they got in the wrong relationship and they completely turned their back on Jesus Christ just because of who they're dating. Do you know how many young men and women that we have watched stop reading the Bible, stop coming to church, stop even believing in the existence of God just because of who they're dating? So it matters. Like the evaluation process really does. Looking at someone's character, like scripture says, really does. I heard, it, I heard it explained to me this way, and I think this can just give somebody some freedom tonight. You need to pay attention to patterns and not potential. There's a lot of people, we're looking at them, we're saying, well, you know what, I think one day they're just gonna get it. When we get married, I promise you, it'll be different. Like, when I can keep, keep them in line, they'll be different. No, 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 you don't understand. There's not a miracle that's just gonna happen when you get married. That's not how it works. Look at who the person is right now, take a good look, and make sure that's what you want because God don't do miracles with just people's personalities and all these things. Like, look at the pattern and not just their potential. And I know you're like, man, Pastor Dave, you're being so hard. I'm just gonna tell you how I feel it tonight and how I've seen it and how I know it. Stop giving them so much credit 
because they ain't gonna become the person that you think they're gonna become. Look at who they are now because who they are now is who they are. Case in point, let me help you out right now. You ready? Put you on the spot. How much different am I now than the person I was that you first met? How answer. You, how do you want me to answer that? Which answer honestly, but kindly. You are a more refined version of the exact same person. Okay. That, that was nice. Thank you for saying it that way. That is truth. It yeah. is truth. So, yeah, I think if the person that you're interested in right now or you're dating or whatever, if they aren't a person of good, like, moral character, good godly characteristics, you can't expect that to change over time or, like, that this person is just all of a sudden going to become this way. They pretty much are who they are, and hopefully the good things get better and the bad things get less bad and they get better, but they're essentially who they are. Um, it's probably not going to change in the future. So you don't want their bad character corrupting who you are. And um, recently I was talking with a leader. We were talking with a student, and this leader brought up this illustration, and I was like, wow, that's a really good illustration. And she just talked about the idea of gravity and how we think of um, if we're trying to pick up something heavy and say this is that relationship and I'm with this guy and he's not quite to where I'm at with Jesus but he's down here but I'm gonna like work really hard to bring him up to where I'm at it's a lot harder for me to pull someone up to where I'm at than for someone to bring me down to where they are it's a lot easier for him to grab he has gravity on his side he's gonna bring me down with him because that's just the nature of the beast. So we can't step into these relationships and think that we're going to change someone because most likely they're going to rub off on you and their character is going to corrupt you more than you're going to have that impact on them because yeah. they never have a chance to truly encounter Jesus without you there in the first place. So um, another thing for you to watch out for is how they treat authority. Exodus twenty twelve says, Honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. If they don't honor and respect their parents, their leadership, their pastors, any type of person in authority, that's a negative pattern to pay attention to. And then the last one that stood out to us is Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. It says, and let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Evaluate whether or not this person is valuing the community of Christ, valuing the church. Are they an active part of the, of the body? So you see the word evaluating. Evaluating is all about values. Where are their values? Are they lining up with yours? Are they valuing the church? Are they in, in the word? Are they in God's body and surrounding themselves with like-minded people? I think, I think people struggle knowing how to evaluate. And guys, it is as simple as just use the word of God. Because especially like a guy's like, guy's like, okay, I'm gonna evaluate. I talk to some guys like, tell me, what's, tell, me, tell me how you evaluate. They go, well, on my list here, let me look, my evaluation list. 
Is she hot? Bet. And that's it. That's it. That's the only thing on the list. Like, like that is the only evaluation tactic that they have. So guys, let's lean into this for a second. Let's zone into this thought here. This is for the fellas. You know why you've been zoning into the wrong ladies, the wrong girls? Because look at what Proverbs 31, 30 says. What you getting caught up with, charm, that's deceptive. Beauty, that's fleeting. Now let me stop for a second. I would say my wife is more beautiful now than the day I met her. One, because she's about to be 30 this year. They say actually 30s for your beauty is prime. You actually become the most beautiful in your 30s. So that's number one. But once she hits 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, if the Lord lets us, 80s, 90s, she is going to get worse looking. It is the truth. There's a reason that the Bible told the guys, remember the wife of your youth. Like, that's what scripture says. And so guys, why you been going after some of the wrong girls? Because you've been valuing the wrong things. So therefore you're evaluating the wrong way. The scripture says that charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeing, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. True evaluation. Now let me just specify this here and make sure you understand. Does God want you to be attracted to the person you're gonna end up with? Absolutely, you should be attracted to them, that's a duh. But true evaluation is based on one question, do they love Jesus Christ? Do they fear the Lord? Are they somebody that honors God above everything? If you can't say yes to that, I can tell you, they're charming now, but that's deceptive, and they're beautiful now, but that's fleeting. So if you don't have something that's gonna withstand the test of time, meaning somebody who's gonna live for God throughout the rest of their days, you got nothing. And girls, girls, maybe it's less physical at times. Like we want, obviously, someone to be attractive, but we tend to evaluate emotionally before we evaluate spiritually. And we're thinking like, oh, is he kind or does he treat me well? And that's where he might say, you're ending up with trash, um, but we're evaluating them emotionally instead of asking, does he fear the Lord? Is he able to lead me spiritually? And these questions really have to be most important to us before we start to ask everything else because really the emotional things will fall in line with the spiritual things, but you have to lead spiritually. So we really believe that all scripture and God's word is necessary for this evaluation process, but we wanted to give you just those few starters to kind of get you rolling and get you started with those things in your heart. You have to realize that ultimately evaluation is a process that you're putting someone through, but you're not just putting someone else through the process. You're not just seeing as someone else marriage material. You have to put yourself through the process and see, are you marriage material? I think a lot of times we're going like, are they marriage material? That's a great question. We do have to ask that. But are you? Are you somebody who's worth dating? Are you somebody who one day should be marryable? I don't know if that's a word, but let's just do it. Let's keep it relevant in the series. New words every week. Last week was uh, de-edify, which I found out unedify is the word, but it's okay. De-edify. Add it, Webster. Take that. Um, so marryable. Are you marryable? Are you somebody who honors fears the Lord. Have you taken yourself through the evaluation process? I, you know, we have a lot of people come to us all the time like, what's a good age to date? You know, I'm 16 now, or I'm 18 now, or I'm, I'm 20 now. Like, is this the right age to date? You know, I think the question that people are always trying to come to is, how do I know when I'm ready to date? You ever had that question in your mind before? Well, if you have, then it's the wrong question. It really is. 
Because the question isn't how do I know when I'm ready to date? The question we should be asking ourselves is, am I prepared to date? There's a difference, I wanna break it down here. What's the difference? The difference is just because you feel ready, that doesn't mean you're prepared. So when I come home from work, listen, I'm ready to eat dinner, I'm hungry. But that don't mean she got the food prepared. Just because I'm ready to eat doesn't mean that there's food on the table. You know, you can look at it kind of in this way. Imagine yourself as like a runner. You're at the starting gate, and you're saying, I'm ready to run the race, right? So you get up there, and they go, what's the first word they say? Ready, set, and right before they say go, you look down, you realize, I don't got any shoes on right now. I don't got my runner's bib on. I haven't even stretched. I don't think I've eaten for a couple days. Are you ready to run? I feel like a lot of times, like, we say that we're ready for something that truly we're not even ready for because we're not prepared. It's that simple. It should really be prepare, ready, set, then go. It should be like that simple. We never prepare, therefore we're not actually ready. Yeah, the reason that we spent so long talking about evaluation earlier is because evaluation is preparation. They go hand in hand. So you need to ask yourself, what are the areas that I need to evaluate and prepare in my personal life so that I can be ready to enter a healthy dating relationship? And last week, I think there was a scripture that you shared in the first message of this series, the key, this series, the key to contentment. And if you guys haven't watched that or weren't able to be here last week, I really encourage you to start there because that really sets up the rest of this series. And it's so good. There's so much that you can get out of it. But there was a scripture that he shared um, that kind of is useful in that preparation system. Like, how do we come up with evaluating ourselves and it was Matthew twenty two thirty seven. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And I think that we can use this scripture to evaluate our lives in accordance to our love for God. If our love for God in all of his perfection is off kilter, how can we expect ourselves to be ready to love another human being in all of their weaknesses? If God is perfect and we're struggling in our relationship with him and our love for him is lacking or not where it should be, then how can we say that we're ready to love another human being who brings all of their imperfections to the table? Did you all just get that? Yeah. I'm getting it. I'm taking it in. Just give me a second. I'm taking it in for a second here. Okay, so prep step number one, okay? We're going to take this scripture. We're going to break it down. It said, love the Lord your God with all of your heart. What's the heart connected to? The emotions. So prep step one is emotional preparation. Yeah, how are, what's that? Oh, I was going to cut you off. Go no, ahead. No, it's good. I was going to say, like, how are you preparing in your emotions, like, for what God would have for you? I was just going to say that. It says all of your heart. Like, God doesn't want part of your heart. He wants all of it. And we're so quick to give our heart away to temporary things or things that make us feel momentarily loved or satisfied or fulfilled that we end up giving our heart away to someone or something. Like, we give, we give that space away in our heart to something that was only ever intended for God. That's good. Um, what does it look like to love God with your emotions? with all your heart, to really love them with your emotions. Because some of y'all, man, you like a roller coaster at Cedar Point. Your emotions are up and down. Every day is changing. So what's it like to love God with these crazy emotions that you got? Especially, I'd say this, in your, like, teens, 
late teens, early 20s, 20s at all, I don't care. It, I don't care what you do right. You can love God all you want. You're emotional. You're just figuring out a lot of stuff all the time. You feel like everything's changing in life. You're up and down. How do you love God with your emotions? The first thing I would say is you need to surrender your desires to him. Well, but the Bible says that he'll give us the desires of our heart. He will, but surrender first. I promise you, he wants to give you good stuff. He wants to bless you. Surrender what you're feeling. Surrender what you're wanting. Surrender what's, what's, what's in front of you. The other thing I'd say is you gotta lead your feelings. You can't just let your feelings lead you. It's not like, well, I'm feeling lonely, so I need someone. No, like lead that for a second. You're feeling lonely, so you surrendered your desires. You don't need somebody. If that's your desire, you already surrendered that to the Lord. Lead your loneliness. Lead your feelings. Lead some of the desires and the, and the wants that you have. You're feeling down. You're feeling discouraged. You're feeling depressed. Choose joy. Say today, you know what? I'm going to choose joy. Not because it's what I feel. Not even because it's what I want. Because it's what the Bible says to do. And I'm gonna choose what Jesus says is best for me, what the Bible says is best for me, because I know if I bow to my emotions, check it, you can't love God with what you've already laid down to yourself, the devil, whatever you're bowing down to. You can't bow your emotions before the Lord if you're bowing down to your emotions, okay? Another thing I'd say is if you're gonna love God with your emotions, you need to believe that God has the best for you rather than settling for what you think is the best for you. So many times it's like, man, I think this is just as good as it gets, if you ever in a sentence with a relationship have to say, I think this is good as it gets, it's not as good as it gets. It is that simple. If you have to question, is this as good as it gets? It is not as good as it gets. God has something better for you, so don't rush into something just because it's convenient and it's comfortable. Well, we've known each other all these years, or we dated for this many years. I know a lot of people that dated for a lot of years and end up marrying that person. Because it's better to have dated somebody for a lot of years and bailed out before you were stuck the rest of your life than to just say, well, I can't, we just kind of know each other. We like each other's families. This is easy. Guys, Scripture says in Proverbs 3, 5 to 6 that you need to trust the Lord completely. You need to believe he has the best for you. Trust him completely. Do not rely on your own opinions with all of your heart. Here it is. All of your emotions, rely on him to guard you. And he will lead every decision that you make if you rely on him. Become intimate with him in whatever you do. And he will lead wherever you go. So here's some questions to ask yourself practically in emotional preparation. Am I emotionally stable? Or do my emotions fluctuate depending on my circumstance or my relationship status? Like every time you're single or you get in a relationship, are your emotions just kind of up and down according to how fulfilled or how loved you you feel? Or are you an emotionally stable person? Do my emotions dictate or influence my life or decisions? Or am I able to make wise decisions despite my current mood? I think that's so good because there's so many times, like he, he talked about, we have to be the ones to lead our emotions and not let our emotions lead us. So Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. So prep step number two is spiritual preparation. What does it look like to love God with all of your soul, to be spiritually prepared to date? I think it has to start with discipline. Spiritual discipline. 
evaluating your walk with God. Are you in the word consistently? What does your prayer life look like? Has prayer become a part of your lifestyle or is it something that you just do occasionally? We have to start with spiritual disciplines in, in order to have an accurate evaluation of where we're at with God. Yeah, I think the one that I'd speak to really quick is like fellowship. When you talk about spiritual preparation, it's not just do you attend a solid church, are you the church? Are you a part of the solid church? Meaning like fellowship. Do you just come on a Wednesday or a Sunday or do you actively look to hang out with people outside outside of this place with these people outside of this place because you know that if you can be in community with those people, you know you can be more like Jesus because of them. Because think about it. You gotta hang out with somebody. So it's either gonna be choosing people of noble character or people of bad influence. It's either gonna be people that are gonna corrupt your character or people that are gonna build your character. So when I think of like the idea of building with spiritual preparation, it really is like, are you a part of the body of Christ? Not just attending a church. Are you the church? Do you claim that? Yeah, the third thing that I would say for spiritual preparation is evaluating your pursuit. Evaluate the direction of your love. Um, are you learning and understanding the heart of God before you're trying to pursue and understand the heart of someone else? Have you allowed yourself to fall in love with Jesus first? And have you truly given him the time and attention that you would to somebody else? Because I think the honest answer for a lot of us in that season of dating or season of singleness is no, we haven't given Jesus the amount of time and the amount of attention that we're like so eager to give to somebody else. Yeah. It's interesting too, this kind of just popped my, my mind. When you are single and you want somebody, you spend all of your time talking to God about wanting somebody rather than talking to God about becoming the person that you're supposed to become yeah, so you're ready good. for that somebody. Listen, if you've told God once that you want to be married, that it's a desire of your heart, if you've told him once that you want to have a healthy dating relationship and you want to have somebody to love and to hold you and to, and to make out with and all that stuff that you're able to do eventually, okay? If you've done that once, he already knows. Talk to him about who he is and who he wants you to be. Don't spend all your time talking about what you want. He already knows what you want. He already knows the desires of your heart because he put those desires inside of your heart. He already knows it. So prep step one is like, okay, we're gonna come with emotional preparation to the Lord. Step two is we're gonna have spiritual preparation. The last thing that Jesus talks about is mental preparation. And this is the one that the Holy Spirit spoke to me most about. So please, please, somebody, you need to hear me tonight, you need to take this in. Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and then he goes, your mind your mind. Somebody tonight, God is going to speak over someone's mind and free their minds tonight because it's your mind that is keeping you from the best of what God has for you. The mind and the emotions are so interconnected. Many times what you finally set your mind on is what you feel in your emotions. What you believe in your head is finally what you believe in the rest of your body. You just believe like if you've thought, oh my gosh, I swear I'm sick, I'm going to die, your body starts feeling like it's going to die. Yesterday, I felt this little bump, and I was like, oh my gosh, I feel a bump. Something's wrong with me. She's like, I've had that before. Like, I, I, get, I was like, okay, today it's not there, but yesterday I thought I was gonna die. You ever had that before? Like, your emotions start getting out of whack because your mind is out of whack. The ink on what I'm about to tell you right now is fresh. Today, the Holy Spirit downloaded it. Did I say it right? Download, uploaded it. He uploaded it into me? How do you say it? He downloaded it to me. Is that what it is? Down. They're pointing down. He downloaded this into me today to give you because I felt like the Holy Spirit wants to free some people's minds in this room. I'm going to tell you exactly what he told me. Your mind is unstable. 
So don't you dare even think about entangling yourself with the thoughts and emotions of another human being when you can't even figure your own out yet. You're unstable. I'm saying it very real for a second here. I'm not trying to hurt anyone's feelings, but your mind is unstable. And I was thinking about what scripture says about this, what the Apostle Paul says in Romans 12, uh, chapter 12, verse two. He said, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but here it is, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Check it. Then, only then, when your mind is renewed, when your mind is stable, then you can test and approve what God's will is. Then you can know his good, pleasing, perfect will. But when your mind's not stable, you can't tell what God's will is for your life. Is that God's will? Uh, they like me, it must be God's will. No, not every person that thinks you're attractive or likes you or wants to be around you is God's will for your life. You cannot test and approve, look at his good, pleasing, perfect. He has a good, pleasing, and perfect will for you, but you'll never know it until your mind is renewed. You ready? So here's the question. Here is the, the question for you to answer tonight, for you to let the Holy Spirit just give you the secret sauce. How do you renew your mind? I wanna give you, and I'm gonna do this quick because I could go on this for a whole sermon, but the Lord gave it to me today, so I know it's for today, and it's for whoever's gonna hear this message in the future, but it's for this message. How do you renew your mind? Practical steps. Number one, you discover what God thinks about you. I'm gonna list off a bunch of scriptures. They're gonna be up here in a second. I want you to just write all the scriptures down. I want you to take them in, read them on your own. I'm not gonna read them all to you, but you need to discover what God thinks about you. John 15, five says that you are a friend to God. You're a friend to Jesus. First Peter 2, nine says that you are royalty. Psalm 139.14 says that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Romans 8.15 says that you're adopted. You checking it? Like you were once not a part of the family of God, but you've been adopted in the family of God because he cares about you that much. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says that you are a new creation. You need to start discovering what God thinks about you and stop worrying about what you think about you and what everybody else thinks about you. Let's not worry about everybody else for a second. It's about you. Stop worrying about what you think about you. Start discovering what God thinks about you. Because your issue right now is that you have not discovered what God truly thinks about you, therefore you're not operating mentally in what he says and thinks about you. The other thing you need to do is you need to start fighting the lies of the enemy that are in your head with truth and promises. You need to start taking the word of God and fighting with it and saying, you know what? It's not just, it's not just who he says I am. He has promises for me. He has blessing for me. He has like great things in store for me. And I've been feeding myself this lie, all of these different lies. And so you start speaking truth into who God says you are. Start speaking promises and truth about what he has for you. It's not just about who he says you are. It's like, ooh, I am who he says I am. It's more than that. Guys, it's what he also has in store for you. Fight your mind with truth and promises. Here's another thing. Stop believing that you can't control your thoughts. Stop believing that you can't control what passes through your brain. Because you can. I'm just so anxious. You can. You know how I know you can? Not because I'm like some like voodoo guru expert and I can get you to. It's because according to the Apostle Paul, when he speaks about it in Philippians 4.8, you can go look it up later, he though hints at the fact that whatever's true, whatever's pure, noble, all these things, think upon those things. If he's saying then you should think upon those things, he's saying you have the ability to choose what you think about. And you spend all your time just anxious and thinking about like, 
I can't be this and I could never do this and I'm not this. No, think about the things of God. Think about what's true. Think about what's pure. Think about what Jesus says about you, what he has for you, and what his word says. The Apostle Paul is telling me right now, you can control your thoughts. So stop telling yourself. Stop selling yourself this lie. I can't control what passes through my brain. Yes, you can. Number four, talk to yourself rather than listen to yourself. I'm just gonna pause after each of these because these are so stinking good. I feel like these are gonna set some people free tonight. Stop listening to what you have to say and start talking to yourself and telling yourself things. You sit there in your, in your, in your thoughts and you're just listening to every thought that passes through your head. It's so, like, it's so just discouraging and it beats you down and it tells you that you're something that you're not and you're someone that you're not. Start talking to yourself. Look yourself in the mirror and you say, this is what the Bible says. Self, I hope you're listening. Self, and I don't care how weird and ridiculous it is, but stop listening to what you have to say about yourself and start talking to yourself because you might actually have some breakthrough if you start taking control instead of letting your mind have all the control of you. Number five, here's the last one. You can, uh, you can write this down, you should. Receive the grace that God gives you. I would say give yourself grace, but listen, you don't have the ability to give what God doesn't give you. So the first thing you need to do is you need to receive what he's already given you. Some of you are like, I've been fighting this for so long. I can't get my mind in check. I can't get all this. Like, I just keep going back to this. Then allow yourself to receive the grace of God, to receive knowing that this is a process, that this takes time. If you've created a lot of bad habits, then it's gonna take time to get rid of some of those bad habits. It's not gonna just be overnight that this is all gonna get fixed. So receive the grace of God for your life because he has grace for you. You just need to receive what he already has for you. Now you can clap and give God a shout of praise for all those people. Come on, mine's being set free tonight. I would say this, just one last thought. All of this is coupled with seeing a Christian professional counselor. If you truly are mentally unstable, like I, the Holy Spirit told me, there's just some people that are, they're here in this night, they're mentally unstable and they should not tangle themselves with another person. Then you need to see a Christian professional counselor and you need to put these things into action. I, I said here, a Christian professional counselor. I'm not a professional counselor. None of our pastors are. We'll be there for you. We'll shepherd you. We'll pour into you. But you need to see somebody who really knows what they're talking about, but they're spirit-filled, they believe in the word of God, and they can walk you through it. That's my last thoughts. I think the Holy Spirit just gave him that because really the glue that holds all of this mental preparation together is seeking out and having godly accountability. You have to check in your thoughts and your mindset and your life with another person. So maybe that is a counselor, and right now you just need some godly accountability, some godly direction, some truth, and some practical things. They're gonna help you with that. Maybe it's leadership. Maybe it's just someone who's a step above you and where you're at in your seasonal place of life. But having godly accountability is going to keep help you keep your mind in check. Proverbs 15:22 says, "Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors they succeed." Now, I would warn with I saw just now saw many advisors. You have to be careful with who those advisors are because I think sometimes we get too many people speaking into places of our life and it becomes confusing. But who you choose 
those advisors to be is so important. If they can speak truth over your life, especially if you're struggling, feeling like you're you're able to conquer those thoughts or get past this mental block in your life, you need encouragement. And um, I think on the flip side of that, you also need to be someone who is worth seeking out accountability from someone who's trustworthy. Um, Don't betray someone's trust. If they confide in you, if they come to you for accountability, you want to be someone that can be that, that stability for them, who can be that encouragement for them. But the minute that you betray that trust, you're going to have a harder time finding someone who's going to be willing to hold, hold you accountable. Did I say that right? Super good. It's really good. When I think about like, uh, all of their dating relationships. It makes me think about um, like one of our favorite Nintendo games that we play. Now we love playing like board games and stuff like that, but we love playing Nintendo Switch together. You know which one I'm playing of? Like Overcooked. Not over- Overcooked is fun. Not that one though. Mario. Okay, Mario Kart. I was thinking Mario Kart. Y'all love Mario Kart. Anybody in the room? You love Mario Kart. Especially I've noticed, like, I've noticed the girls love Mario Kart because the actual racing games that are hard, they can't do. So they like Mario Kart. Whoa, sorry, Hayden, Hayden. It is kind of true, though, isn't it? Uh, So I think of Mario Kart, I was playing it the other day, and I I didn't even realize this. I'm super competitive. If anybody knows me, I like to win. I don't even mind telling you. I don't don't mind winning at everything in life. I honestly don't. I'd be okay with that. Uh, I'm just being honest for a second. So... I, even when I play Mario Kart, um, I want to win. Like, I don't care. Like, I, I could have, like, the youngest person over, and I still want to destroy them, like, yeah, in like Mario Kart. like, seventh grade girls over one time, and he's like, oh, I'm going to win. And yep. I'm like, can you just They're let bad. us They're bad. I don't win. plan on losing. And uh, I want to win so bad, like, out of the starting gate, I want to try to hurry up and get out front, hit, like, one of the, like, the little question mark things, and I want to drop bananas on them, like go bananas on this thing. So they tripping on bananas, and I'm just like speeding out there, right? And then it's nice when you get like the shells, not the one that you have to shoot straight, but the one like the, the heat-seeking missile shells, those are the best, right? Um, what, are, what other little things? Then there's, like there's the chomper. The, and the, I don't like the squid, because it like takes over oh, your yeah, whole screen. What's the thing that like lightning bolt shocks you, and then it makes you really tiny? I hate that thing. It messes yeah. me up takes my coins, okay? And, and if you didn't know, playing Mario this Kart, is it's, who not, I have to play games it's not just you winning first. You hit those coins. The person with the most coins wins. I just gave you a little trick there if you didn't know. When I was playing it the other day, I was trying to get out front, though, and I noticed that, um, I, I never really noticed this before. If you're holding down the gas before they say go, they actually keep you back. My man, Lee Zilla over here, you know what I'm talking about right now, okay. They actually, they actually hold you back Penalty. from getting out from getting out front. So I'm like, I'm like, I got, I'm ready to peel out and go out of this thing. If you're holding down the gas before they say go, it holds you back. So in my pursuit to get out front, in my pursuit to get ahead, I actually get held back in the end. Is anybody following me here? Is this already speaking? I haven't even made it spiritual yet. And we're just talking about Mario, and we're gonna go Mario to Jesus, and hopefully this just spoke to you here. I would just dare say, that there's a lot of people that you don't realize this, but you're seeking, like, you're trying to get ahead, and you're trying to, like, oh, I can't wait to get in a dating relationship, and you got your foot on, let your foot off the gas for a second here, because in your pursuit to get out front, you actually are gonna just get kept behind. In your pursuit to try to get ahead, to try to get first place, you're actually gonna end up getting last place with God. Rather than being patient and waiting on what he has for you, 
you're actually gonna miss out on his best because you actually were hitting the pedal to the metal and you're gonna get held back in the meantime. I just think with me, this was my relationship. My first relationship I ever had, I just hit the gas way too quick. And I actually had a setback because of it. And I've learned, listen, if you don't take the time to have godly preparation, like we're talking about all these prep steps, if you don't take the time to do that and do that God's ways, you make yourself so susceptible. You run the risk of sexual impurity and emotional scarring and a bunch of other stuff that I, you know, I could list from my personal life that happened. My first relationship, I, I would just dare say I set myself back just years Maybe not from finding Sid, I eventually, that God did that, but I set myself back years from the sexual impurity that I was a part of in my first relationship and the emotional scarring that it caused. Man, I feel like I'm still working through some of it, if I'm just being honest. I feel like I carried some of it into my marriage and we had to work through it. That, that's real, not I think, we did, I did. And we had to work through it. And it was hard, it was really hard. And it was just simply because I had my foot on the gas too quickly rather than waiting and preparing for what God was already gonna have for me because he already designed it for me in the first place. You know, I can, I can just tell you story after story, and I won't because it's private and it's people's lives, but I could just tell you story after story of godly people, godly people who truly want to honor, they wanted to honor God in a good way with their relationship, but because they got a little too antsy. They put their foot on the gas too quickly. They didn't just prepare. Step back, prepare, and get ready for it. They enter a relationship, and even though their intention was to honor God with it, it, the only way I could say it is like metaphorically, they got in this car together. He sat at the wheel, buckled in. She sat shoddy, buckled in. And even though they wanted to honor God because they didn't prepare, they put the, ga the foot down on the gas and they rammed that thing into a brick wall full speed. They wrecked them themselves sexually, emotionally, like they got so many scars from it, like they can't move on to another relationship yet because they're still trying to fix and figure it all out. Y'all realize that, right? If after you run into the brick wall with the first one, if you don't take time to heal, you'll get in the next one and you'll buckle in, you'll do the same thing. And you'll never actually figure out how to do it God's way because you don't take time to heal from it. And here's the problem. You're wasting valuable time in your life that if you had just waited in the first place, you wouldn't have had to have a head-on collision emotionally with the worst of what you just experienced in a relationship. Because now you gotta heal from that before you can go to the next one, and you're praying to God that you don't bring in some of your bad things from the first one to the next one. Because I went into like too many just Time after time, we got in the car, we buckled in, I rammed it into a wall again. And even though I had all the right like intentions, like I even tried to have some of the right motives, I think. Because I didn't take time to truly prepare, it wasn't until I was 21 years old after that relationship messed up that I started giving myself to God. I'd say by like 22, probably 23 is when I really, for like the next three years before we got married, I like gave myself to God and I just prepared to be the person that God wanted me to be. I've just seen too many godly people, though, that they could have had, this is what you have to realize, they could have had a great relationship, possibly, if they haven't, hadn't run it into the wall. They could have had a good relationship and even then gone, you know what? This has been great, but I don't think this is what God has. They could have walked away clean. The breakup didn't have to be messy. 
didn't have to be cussing each other out. It didn't have to be, I hate you, I'll never talk to you again. It didn't have to be any of those things like, like I experienced in all my relationships. I felt like every relationship except her. Because remember, me and her, we had phases. It's like we tried it and then we, we tried it. But never was it ever like that with her. She was always a person of character, to this day, obviously. That's why I married her. But every relationship that I had, oh man, every single one of them ended awful. Just awful. We ran them into the wall. We got both got out of the car, bleeding and all cut up, and we went to go live our separate lives. And then I walked into the next relationship, bleeding, bruised, busted up into the next one. And I just have seen too many people either ruin good relationships because they didn't take the time to prepare, or I'd even say this, I've seen a lot of people, because they didn't take the time to prepare, enter a relationship, bust down a door that God never told them to enter in the first place. This is why the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians 6, 14, he says, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What he's saying is, listen, you definitely didn't prepare because God never told you to get in that relationship. When he's breaking down this illustration here, the Apostle Paul, he's talking about like what farmers would do when they'd plow their fields. They'd get oxen to plow their fields. Yoke is not talking about like a, a, an egg yoke. That's what I think used to think a long time ago. A yoke was like a wooden beam that went over two oxen that held them together so they could plow their field. And farmers knew this. They would never get a strong oxen and a weak oxen to plow together because when that yoke was holding them together, they could never plow straight unless the strong one was strained and the weak one was damaged. And he's given us this illustration here that you never want to be unequally yoked with somebody who doesn't follow Jesus because when you are unprepared, you'll always find yourself being unequally yoked. That's what's gonna happen. I'll just tell you this. When you are unprepared, you'll be unequally yoked every time. I even found myself, I did this with people that didn't know God, and I, I'm a pastor's kid, right? Like, and there was one time my mom caught me in high school. I think it was my mom, my brother. Did my brother see it? Somebody caught me. I was kissing a girl that I wasn't even dating, and she wasn't a believer, but see, I'd come from a really bad breakup, and I didn't heal from it, so I was just seeking to try to find something that could make me feel whole. So here, I'm out in the parking lot, I'm kissing this girl. Was it you, did you see? I think my brother, Pastor Steve, and he sees me kissing this girl. I wanna say my mom might have caught me too. I can't remember. I get caught. The Bible says, beware your sins will find you out. Let me tell you, it is the truth. So here I am, not only in that situation, but I can't tell you how many times that I didn't take enough time to evaluate and learn and prepare. So I'd end up dating a person that they said they're a believer. Let me tell you, they were not a believer. They weren't even close. And I'll tell you, my first relationship, that bad company, her bad character, it corrupted my character. It threw me into a lifestyle of lust that you're gonna hear about in a sermon. I think maybe this fall, God has told me to possibly tell you my story. It threw me into a lifestyle that took me so many years to try to heal from. I'd even say today, I'm still a work in progress simply because I let somebody's bad character corrupt my good character. There's a reason that the Apostle Paul says here, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. Now, I've always understood this idea of oxen, yoked together, unbeliever, believer, strong, weak, however you wanna say it, right? I always, even at, at your age, when I heard it preached to me and, I, and you know, I was dating and all that stuff, I always understood that. But there was something that I just read this week that just hit different. 
Like I've read it a ton of times, but I've never put all the pieces together that the heading of this section in 2 Corinthians chapter six, when you read it in the NIV, the heading is warning against idolatry. That's the heading. And then he goes, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. And then he goes in this whole conversation after that about how you shouldn't be yoked together with unbelievers and what fellowship do light and darkness have in common and all this stuff. Why did he label the heading warning against idolatry? You know, as I look at Paul's writings, the only thing that I can really decipher that makes sense from this whole thing is he's saying that anytime you are yoked together with somebody who doesn't believe in Jesus, meaning anytime that you align your heart, your spiritual, your mind, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind. When you align yourself with somebody who is not a believer in Jesus, you are committing idolatry. Do you know what idolatry is? It's one of the 10 commandments. One of the 10 commandments is do not make for yourself an idol, a graven image, anything else. Do not make for yourself that and worship that because I'm the Lord your God and you'll worship and you'll serve me only. I just need you to understand this. Anything, anything that you put in front of Jesus is an idol, anything. But I would specifically tell you this, anyone that you are not equally yoked with, meaning they do not have a relationship with Jesus as well as you do, that you believe upon the same things in Jesus, you look at the Bible the same way and you're gonna raise your kids the same way, all of these are important conversations to have because it's not just like, well, they're a Christian, I'm a Christian. It's much deeper than that. But anyone that you enter a relationship unequally yoked with, they're immediately an idol because you ever, you know like what an eclipse is? When it passes in front of the sun, you're not supposed to look at it, it can blind you and all this stuff. What happens is you allow that person to get in front of Jesus and you eclipse Jesus. Idols eclipse. An idol is anything that you allow to be in front of who Jesus is. And I just even felt tonight, like big picture would just be that just we have some idols obviously that we have to give to Jesus and we have to say, you know what? I laid these things at your feet I'm gonna demolish these things, crush these in front of you. But even more specifically, maybe some of you have never thought about it this way or looked at it this way, but when you date somebody that God didn't give you permission to date, it's an idol. That's all that it is. It is only something, the only possibility it has is to be something that is in the way between you and Jesus. That's all it is. Because the last time I checked, I just told you this a second ago, Isaiah 22, 22, says that what he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. You don't need to get, grab a crowbar and try to break in. You don't need to try to rip it open. You don't need to even take the credit card and try to break in. You don't need to, because all it is is a B and E with God. You're already entering that relationship with the felony. All that you need to do is trust him enough and prep yourself in this meantime to say, you know what, Lord? You're the one that opens the doors, so I'm just gonna step through what you open. What if you just made this promise? Lord, I will only step through what you open. I won't beat down, I won't break down, I won't try to pry open anything that you haven't opened already. I will only step through the doors that I feel that you've opened for me. Anything else, I know it's just a crime against my heart and soul and a crime against you, God. So God, I pray that you would open doors that you have for me. And Jesus, please, just shut the ones you don't. 
Just shut them. What if that was our prayer? Just shut them. And every time we saw a closed door, we could thank God. Thank you, because I know there's an open door you're about to give me. I know that there's a relationship you're going to bless me with. I know that there's a future you're going to give me. I know one day there's a marriage and there's children. Listen, I got a baby. We were just praying that her water wouldn't break during this message and we'd be able to make it through. This baby going to come anytime, okay? That's the blessings of God right here. You know what this is? This is in Isaiah 22, 22. This is saying, Lord, I waited on you. I wanted to get married earlier in life. I tried it, I tried, I tried, I pushed, I tried, and it didn't work. But Lord, I'm waiting on you because I know as long as you open the door, then there's a blessing. Kick for me, buddy. There's a blessing waiting for me. Guys, God wants to bless you. All that he wants to do is bless you. So what if you said, you know what? If the door's shut, if I try to break it open, it's gonna be idolatry. If the door's shut, all I need to do is say, Lord, that shut door is promising me that there's an open door. So in the meantime, I'm going to prepare to be the person that is ready to step through that door when you open it. Amen? Bow your heads with me. Holy Spirit, we just invite you, pray you just speak over every heart and soul, all of our family that's watching online, those that will watch this later, and those absolutely right here that are in the room, in the house, and they're saying, God, I just want something from you tonight. I need to hear from you. Just open yourself up right now. And I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond here in a moment. Maybe those that you, you don't even know Jesus. This is what you need to know about Jesus. There's only one door with Jesus that needs to be open. Only one. It's the door to your heart. Every other door, he will open. But there's one. It says in Scripture, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Meaning, Jesus is knocking at some of your hearts tonight. He's knocking at some of your purity. He's knocking at your, your relationships and your, your fantasy versus quality and all the things we've been talking about. He's knocking. He's saying, listen, you got to let me into this. If you want my best, you got to let me in. Some of you need to open the door for Jesus. We're going to pray for that first. And then the other group, some of you need to stop breaking in to shut doors and just give it to God tonight saying, Lord, I believe you will open doors and I will only walk through those. So let's go group number one here tonight. You do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You've not committed yourself to him. You maybe even heard these messages, been under the sound of my voice, but you've never said, Jesus, I want all of you. You're knocking. It's so lightly. You can barely even hear it, but just tune your heart in for a second. He's knocking at your heart, and you're saying, tonight, God, I want to give you my best, my all. Here I am. I want you. If you want a relationship with Jesus, if you're in the house right now, even in the chat, would you just indicate right now, would you lift your hand with me right now in the room? Thank you, I see you up here. I see you, thank you so much. Thank you, I see you. I see you over here, thank you so much. In the chat, just put it there, our team is standing by. Thank you, I see you in the back. You can just put it up and put it down. You're just indicating, God, just see me for a second. I see you and I wanna pray with you, but God sees you more importantly. Anybody else, thank you so much for those hands. This is awesome, so awesome. I celebrate with you giving your life to Jesus. How about this? Before we pray, because we'll all pray together in a moment, how, anybody in the room that you're saying, you know what, I've been the one trying to bust down some of those doors. I've been the one, I've been living in idolatry and I didn't even know it, but I've been putting everything before God, a relationship, my emotions, whatever it is before God. I see in the back already. And you're saying, I see you over here. And you're saying, Lord, I want to just only walk through open doors. I see you. Thank you. It's just an honest confession tonight. Thank you. It's just saying, we're, like, we're flawed. God, I've, I've tried this my way, and I just can't do it my way. I got you over here, too. Thank you. 
again in, in the chat right now, tell, tell our family standing by right now, tell them, thank you over here. We want, I want them to pray with you. We're just gonna minister to you tonight and believe that God is gonna continue to do something great in your life. Would you do this all over this place? And even if you're watching online, stand with me. Wherever you are, stand with me right now. it through. You did it. Baby ain't come. Thank you, God. We want to pray a prayer of faith, and we're going to go into a time of worship and a time just to respond here, but uh, I just really feel like we just need to commit ourselves to the Lord tonight. And the first thing that popped in my mind when I said I was going to tell you that we're going to do that is some of you going, I've done that before. I've walked down to that altar. I've asked for prayer. I've heard even a sermon maybe like this before. I've tried it. I don't know. Let's see what can happen. Let's try it again. Who knows if tonight's your night? Who knows if tonight is the night that something's just gonna click? Some of you need to repent tonight. Repentance isn't, I'm sorry. Repentance is, God, I'm gonna change, and this is how I'm gonna do it. Like, it's practically like, I'm going to get accountability. I'm gonna put parameters in my life. I'm gonna do things different. I'm not gonna be that person. Like, you're truly gonna do a 180, you're gonna change. Some of you need to repent right now. You need to repent to the Lord about the relationship you're in and you need to get out of it. You need to repent to the Lord about the relationships you wanted because you know they've just been dumb and distracting and not what God has for you. Some of you, maybe it's not even just like repent, it's just like, Lord, maybe that's not the season I'm in yet where I'm like actively striving after relationship, but you're saying, God, I just wanna maybe not repent, but I wanna receive tonight. I just want to receive and get myself ready for that time. And then others, I just, the young adults are just continuing in my heart. I just, man, I just want to just believe in you young adults, man. Like, God has such an amazing marriage in store for you. And I say that over the young adults because they're closer to it than a middle schooler is. They're closer to it than a high schooler is. And some of you have just been walking around so discouraged, like God couldn't have something for you. I'm telling you, just wait. He will open the door. Just wait. It's worth waiting for and doing it the right way than living with regret the rest of your life from doing it the wrong way. It's worth it. I promise you, it's worth it. It's worth it. So whatever boat you're in, like giving your life new to Jesus tonight or just repenting before him or just receiving, can we just pray a prayer of faith all together loud and clear in this house and with all of our family online? Just repeat after me. Just say, Jesus, here I am. I give you all of me. And I receive all of you. Thank you for the cross and the empty tomb. Because I know that these are my testimony. These are my victory. These icons, the cross and tomb, the empty tomb, are the reason that I can step into the amazing life that you have for me. Forgive me my sins. I repent of my ways. And I receive your word. Knowing, God, that you truly have great things in store for me. You have only blessings for me. So, Jesus, tonight, I declare to you that I'm going to walk through the doors that you have, the open ones they have, and I'm gonna walk past the shut ones because I would rather, rather wait for your best than pry open and get my worst. 
Lord, I thank you that my best is always your worst. I thank you, you only have good things for me. Say this strong and clear. Say, Jesus, I love you with all of my heart, with all of my soul, and with all of my mind. Tonight I give you praise and honor. Here I am, receive me as I receive you. In Jesus' name, everybody says tonight, amen. Come on, would you rejoice in the Lord? Come on, praise his awesome and holy name.